The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Hello and welcome to the Murder in Mind pod. I am Morty and uh, I am joined by the top dog, the uh, the CEO, the chairman of the board, the uh, genetic jackhammer himself, Mr. Cy Powell. <laughs> genetic jackhammer, bloody hell. How are you doing, my friend? You okay? I'm very well. I'm very, I'm very good. I'm very happy to be uh, doing this with you and to be on the uh, SJP World Media as well very excited to be a part of that family yeah great stuff great to have you uh we've been talking about doing this show for quite a while it's good to actually finally sit down and and, and start off i suppose yeah absolutely i mean it, it started as me just kind of prodding the bear a little bit and then i think <laughs> i made such a good case um i kind of uh beat you into submission really didn't i yeah i think so <laughs> i think so i i mean the show itself murder in mind it's it, it's a funny one because I know the title, and mm. when we started talking about it, I can remember real tiny bits. So I must have seen some, yeah. but I can't remember masses. And before we actually pressed record, we were talking about how it's not available pretty much anywhere, is it? No. So, so yes, basically what this podcast is going to be is going to be me and Cy uh, looking at and talking about a TV series, the first series is going to be us talking about a TV series called Murder in Mind. Um, which originally aired in 2001. It was actually, I've got it written down, site. it was April 2001, um, yep. was the original air date. So it aired from the 22nd of April 2001 until the 29th of June 2003. So it's over 20 years old at this point, um, and you can't find it anywhere on any streaming service. I've, um, I've not been able to find it on a streaming service. You might find two episodes broken into pieces on Daily Motion. Right. But other than that, you won't find it anywhere. It's a TV show that's never talked about, um, and I think it should be. And I was just very interested to uh, to look at it with yourself. And a few of the reasons that um, that I've given is, I think it's actually quite an influential bit of TV. Um, it's very original in that uh, every episode is standalone, which um, completely. Uh, completely goes against everything I say about TV shows. Because one of the reasons I always talk about liking TV shows more than film is you can invest in the characters more and right. you can invest in the story and you get rewarded. As You know, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, as you know, as you are as well. So, you know, when you see things pop up from 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you go, oh, because well, you've invested that time yeah. in those characters and everything. Um, and that's one of the reasons I like TV shows. So the fact that this is a TV show that's completely standalone episodes, completely goes against that logic. <laughs> but it was one of the first ones that did that, um, very much like you know your modern Black Mirror. Um, they're all standalone stories from different points of view. It was also very original in that it was done from um, the killer's point of view, which at that time, it was usually whodunits. Mm -hmm. um, 
obviously that genre is huge now with episodes like yeah things like Dexter and you and all these kind of things but it never really happened um at that time and like I say with the standalone episodes you tend to have like a character linking them together like you know minder you could watch one episode and then watch another episode three years later and it's completely different um story but you've still got the minder yeah. and Arthur Daly but these were completely standalone so it was, it was very original and also I think it's um it's very interesting looking back because actually they also did um they would have pe- people in it that you wouldn't usually see so you've got stars that are very much at the beginning of their career you've got soap actors who are doing a bit more of a you know different role you've got comedians doing serious roles that were very different and I honestly think if it aired today with the same premise it would probably be the biggest show in England if it was done with modern production standards, okay, because that's that's where we might fall down a little bit. But I, I'm very interested to know why you agreed to do this. <laughs> um, what convinced you? I was I was intrigued. I'm not gonna lie, I was intrigued. I can remember, and it's, it's ironic actually. Well, kind of funny, I suppose, because obviously we're starting with episode one, as we should mm-hmm. do. It's the beginning. Yep. This is actually one of the ones I can kind of remember because mm. it's got the fella who played Praro in it. It has. And that's my my kind of image of the show is him, but he's only in this episode. Yeah. So that's the funny thing. So straight away that, that that got me intrigued. The the viewpoint of looking at it from the killer as well is something I sort of looked at. For, okay, now that that fascinates me. That's going to be very interesting because again, like like you explained, it's a very different aspect. And each mm. episode being a standalone as well. I mean, it's stuff like Black Mirror and that you mentioned. I've never seen that. So, I've never watched it. I just I'm aware of what it is. Right. I've seen okay. one episode. So yeah. to me, standalone episodes throughout the whole series it is is it's going to be it sounds as daft as it sounds because this is twenty odd years old. It's going to be a relatively new concept to me. Mm. Something that I've never really seen done before or 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 since or whatever. So yeah, and also just how passionate you were and the fact that you basically wore me down over numerous <laughs> messages and. <laughs> and i tell you one other thing that i um i think that this is my opinion you might disagree this time i don't think you will but one of the things is the one of the reasons that it may not fall into one of my all-time favorite tv shows which i said before we came on if i had a list let's say top 20 it probably wouldn't be in there but it's just a show that should be remembered i think is that the the grading quality is very very much i think some of these episodes are some of the best tv you'll ever watch okay and i think some of them are the worst tv you're ever gonna have to sit through so i think it could be <laughs> quite an interesting experience yeah and you might disagree completely when you watch it you might think it's all crap or all good or whatever so yeah, it'd be okay. interesting i mean also that so that appealed to me was literally when i typed it into google to have a little look and do a bit of research is the amount of names I recognised from other things being mm. in this. As you mentioned, different stars, different points in their careers and so on. And even with this episode that we watched for uh, today's show, I'm looking at people and I go, I know them. Where do I know them from? Yeah. And I've had to go in and look at where they're from. And I'm, oh, yeah, that's from, you know, that's such and such from that programme. Well, oh, that's that person. And, you know, yeah. it's quite fascinating. And obviously, you, know, you say the only place to sort of uh, watch it is is via DVD in this country, really. Mm. So I, I bought the DVDs, and the front cover or or the cover of the discs or whatever, it's got pictures of different people who are in it, and it ranges, like I said, from the fellow who played Poirot to Rodney Trotter from Only Falls and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. It's like, 
it's quite you know it's quite interesting from that aspect. So many different faces that I recognise, but in a show that I I, I remember I, I remember bits, but I don't think I've watched them all. In fact, I know for a fact I've never seen them all. It maybe I've only seen maybe two or three episodes or something like that. But, yeah, and I and I think. Um... I said, I've said to you before, so obviously I'd say this first aired in 2001, 2003. Um, I remember seeing some of it. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I was, it was probably 2007. I was thinking, oh, what was that program that those uh, people were in? I won't say the episode because we'll cover it another day. It was an episode that you've mentioned that is the only other one you think you've seen before or you've seen elements of. I thought, what program was that? And I looked it up and I found Murder in Mind and I bought the DVD set back in 2007 and I watched it. And there was episodes of it that I went, I've seen that. And I didn't realize that's what it was because I think right. it always used to air um, like during the week, you know, at like nine, 10 o'clock at night. So you would catch some of it and maybe not because they were standalone, maybe not quite realize what the show was. Mm. Um but yeah, that's quite, and like I say, it's quite interesting. You have, you know, the soap opera actors, um, which are probably known only for one role, and they're in this, or there's comedians doing a dramatized role, and it's quite a unique. Two varying successes, but it's right. quite a unique, uh, unique thing. And like I say, in this episode, which we'll get into in a little bit, um, there's some really what what would be now big names, yeah. but quite early in their career, a couple of them. Um, really, really interesting to see them. Um, as well quite quite fun so shall we yeah uh, do you fancy getting into it and seeing uh, yeah let's go let's go let's begin okay so as uh, as i said this was episode one so this aired on the 22nd of april 2001 um so we're looking well over 20 years ago now um and it does start david suchet who i think i pronounced that right it's not such it it's not a uh high bouquet situation is it no i think that's right <laughs> See, i think that's right i think you've got that spot on yeah yeah, so he was he was very famously uh, Poirot. Um, so apparently, he actually played. I didn't realize he played Poirot for so long. He played Poirot from nineteen eighty nine until two thousand and thirteen. Bloody hell! I didn't know it was as long as that. No, no. See, I, I always imagined Poirot to be quite a. I don't know why I got, I've got this premise. I've got nothing at all to base it upon. But I kind of imagine Poirot to be a sort of short series there may be a film but hmm. that in my head that was kind of it but it must have been a lot more than that i'm assuming so, so i think they were i think there were more selections of tv films like the hornblower movies they were like right okay small series of movies i guess really so i think you'd have like a few a year um, right i might be wrong there might be huge poirot fans that are shouting at us um <laughs> but also which I'm going to hopefully be able to do a few bits on this, a Doctor Who alert. Oh, because hello. Suchet was in Doctor Who. He was in Series 10, Episode 4 of New Who uh, in Knock Knock as a character just called The Landlord. And I actually watched this not that long ago. Okay. That it's rings very a bell, actually. Yeah, very creepy in it. Um, so, yeah, so he's, our, he's our, our main guy. He's the first person that we see. Um also, I don't know if you. What did you think about the titles? Because they're very dated, aren't they? What did you think about? I'll the tell titles? you what. I've got a few notes about that. I. Uh, it's going to be interesting because you mentioned about the production and so on uh, a few moments ago, uh, mm. saying that may be an issue. I watch so much old crap, but <laughs> I don't think that's going to bother me whatsoever. To be fair, yeah. And you say these uh, these intros, the, these graphics, and so on look dated. Okay, maybe they do a touch. It's twenty year old television. To be fair. Mm. 
but I liked it. The the washing of the hands to get the blood off in the water. I thought that was quite a clever little thing there. The music is suitably creepy. I mean, to be honest, if I put this on, if you flick through the channels and you catch the beginning of this intro without knowing anything about the show, what it is or anything, like that, you're literally coming in cold. I'd leave it on to see what this is about, just from mm. the basis of what the, how the show starts. I mean, it, it kind of hooks you. That's it. and that's one of the reasons that I, I, you are one of the best people to do this with because I know that you have that approach with older episodes of Doctor Who as well. You know, I've mentioned before, I'm a big fan of Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. more so the uh, the older um, the older ones, uh, Basil Rathbone, so like 1930s and 40s, so obviously quite dated. Um, right, <laughs> but I th- I think you can seriously just sit and watch them now and very much enjoy them. Um, I, I I like I've always liked those titles. Like you say, it's quite creepy. And but to be honest, in a strange way, they remind me of my childhood because I remember as a as a young teen, you know, watching Brilliant. it. When I probably shouldn't have been watching it. Um, and uh, yeah, like you say, there's the washing of the hands and the blood and the creepy sort of classical music and the zoom in on the eye. It's quite yeah. um, quite intense. And then we open up from that in this episode straight into darkness. Really, we're at a, a cold looking uh, common. And we yeah. see David Suchet. So apologize, I'm not great at notes. So some of this will be just like <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> fine. Um yeah, fine. but we see David Suchet straight away, and he's approached by a young man played by James McAvoy. Yeah, this is one of the ones I looked at and I was like, I know this fella. Where he's do I know him? Everything, from? Si. He's in, yeah. I know you're not a big movie person, but he's in every X-Men, um uh oh Christ. Uh what's what's the split he was in? Um, See, it's more uh, the name as well. Because when I looked mm-hmm. at it, I was like, okay, I've got to know who that is. So I bought the cast list up and I mm-hmm. saw the guy's name and I was like, okay. But then it, because I, I recognized the name as opposed to him initially. I recognized the face, but I oh, would yeah. have placed that as being his name. So mm-hmm. when I bought, bought the list up and I saw the name James McAvoy on the cast list, this is before I was aware of certain characters' names and so on. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, I know that name. Who is that? So I'd recognized mm-hmm. the guy and I recognized the name, but I hadn't actually pieced them together. Got you. Yeah, and, and so this is a very young James McAvoy, early 20s. Um, and this was before, this was actually um, two years before he appeared in one of my favourite sitcoms called Early Doors, which he left about uh, after one season and he went into Shameless, which was his breakout performance, really. Okay. Shameless, which I've never really watched, but Shameless. I've never seen. No, he was a big character in Shameless. Mm. And then he's obviously now he's one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. He's in everything. Um, but it's a very young James McAvoy wearing a very interesting get-up. Yes, it's very... <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's reasons for it, obviously, we get there to in, in a bit. But he's dressed very... It, well, in very light colours, isn't he? Which is... I mean, basically, this this, this character is a, a drug addict. Mm-hmm. And he's a bit rough around the edges, as you can imagine, hanging around the common late at night and all this, trying to get money for his, uh, his next fix, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't imagine somebody to be wearing a lot of white clothing hanging around white the common. White and beige and, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit... I was a bit like, okay, he's dressed a bit off there. That seems a bit strange. But obviously, we know the purpose for it when we get to certain scenes later yeah. on, don't we? Yeah, it's visually jarring at the beginning, I think. Yeah. But um, did I, I also noticed at the very beginning, I only noticed this on my latest rewatch, that it said that the episode was written by Anthony Horowitz. I don't think it's any relation to Barry. Okay, right. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> that would have been a lovely little link, wouldn't it, if it was written by Barry Horowitz? Or it might just be like his author name, and it actually is Barry Horowitz. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be quality. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a twist. Um, yeah, so so James McAvoy's character, um, Martin, approaches... Dave Suchet's character, which we learn uh, later is called Edward. 
Um, he walks up to him and he basically uh, asks if David. Uh, I'm going to keep calling him David. Yeah, that's fine. I think I've got, I think I've, I think I've got Ed, Eddie, Edward, David, and Paro all in my notes. So yeah, so he he approaches him and asks him uh, if he's after anything, and, and uh, Edward is visibly nervous and uncomfortable, and um, and Martin asks, tells him that it's uh, thirty for a blowjob. Seems a bit steep. What is the going rate these days, son? Um, well, I wouldn't pay that myself. No, no, in two thousand and one, no. that's extortion, yeah. isn't it? Honestly. To be honest, there's a few things with money here that took me back a little bit, but we'll get to that as well. <laughs> um, full service, 100 quid. I don't know if that's like an MOT type deal. I don't quite... Yeah, it must you know, be. Not, yeah, yeah. yeah sort of check yeah, full vacuum of the car. So, yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff, yeah. Um, and it's... So he's, he's quite uncomfortable about it, and he's kind of umming and ahhing, but he does end up taking Martin to his car, doesn't he? Yeah, and um, something I, I noticed about this, this particular scene is obviously... Like the character of Edward is, uh, like you said, nervous and uh, uh, seems a bit, you know, always shy and withdrawn because of the situation he's he's in. Mm. But, and again, I suppose it's a it's a, a for want of a better term, it's a sales technique, isn't it, for this young lad who's trying to make his money? But he's being incredibly kind and reassuring and saying everything's okay and and so on. And I, I find that really interesting because eventually we see that side of that character change and. I think James McAvoy in this uh, this show, he hasn't got a lot of screen screen time, but he mm. really makes the most of it because we get this kind of uh, reassuring, calming kind of uh, side to the character here. But in a little while, when we get to another scene, we'll see that things change a little bit and we, we get mm. a, a different sort of performance, don't we? Quite manipulative, uh, really, really. Yeah. You know, and uh, it makes sense when you realise that he's... Uh, I mean, you kind of tell the way that James is playing it at the beginning, but obviously we do have confirmation that he's a drug addict later on. Mm. And it makes sense to this sort of... Um, you know, he knows what he needs to do to get to get this money. Yeah. Um, so it takes to the car. And I found it, that this was actually a really interesting character beat straight away, um, where one of the first things he did was he asked um, David Suchet's character, God, Ed... Um, <laughs> Asked Martin his name straight away, and there's a lot of this throughout. Where, well, we'll get to it properly, but they kind of hammer away what a nice guy he is. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just thought it was quite interesting. One of the first things he wanted to do was know this young man's name, and again, that was kind of a reassurance thing, really. Um, yes, yeah, so they they get in the car and they go to quite a dodgy looking little area. We find out around this time, you can kind of tell from Jane Lackford's accent, but we're in uh, Bang Bang Andy Land, aren't we, in Bristol? Oh, okay. Right, I wasn't yeah. aware. I don't know what. Yeah, I, I don't know where I assumed they were, mm. but I didn't have anywhere in mind. So it, it gets confirmed when um, he's interviewed later on, and it's for a Bristol newspaper. Ah, okay. Yeah, so it is is in Bristol, um, and James McAvoy is using a Bristolian style accent. I don't know how Bristolian it sounds. Uh, bang bang, Andy, be able to judge. I thought he sounded a bit more like you, side to be honest. But, well, we're um, not too far away, mate. We're not too far away. <laughs> no. But, um, but yeah, they go to this dodgy little sort of um, area. And as they're walking out of the car and go down the steps, we see a, uh, a sort of a creepy-looking hooded figure, don't we, Sly? Mm. Yeah, it's – I mean, this is a, a, a sort of a trait that I think that certain TV shows have. I mean, I, I mock the wife a lot. She used to watch um, Home and Away a great deal. Mm -hmm. And when certain new characters would arrive in Home and Away – if they had tattoos, then bad news. Especially if that tattoo was on his neck. 
that was always yeah. a traitor in home and away that was like okay these people are bad news straight away they don't even have to speak this kid here loitering in the dark with his hood up bad news straight away you can tell yeah. can't you it's just like you know it is i suppose it's done intentionally to make sure that that message gets across because they are mm. as we said self-contained stories aren't they They're this one story per episode they can't they've got one hour to establish who everyone is and yeah yeah exactly so they got to sort of establish certain things relatively quickly i guess yeah for sure um when they get down there uh i've written Suchet in my notes so we're going to go okay. with that. yeah yeah uh, he he has second thoughts um as we mentioned he was already quite nervous and uncomfortable and it does not go down well with young martin um who very quickly as he said changed his demeanor and said he's got yeah. to pay him anyway um and it quickly becomes quite intense and like you say although the ambience was dark and dingy the interaction up up until now was quite friendly uh, but it very quickly becomes quite intense doesn't it yeah and it's i mean from one aspect i can kind of see the the lad's point of view to be mm. fair he's taken he could, away yeah he could still be on the common looking how should we word this looking for work potentially is yeah. maybe the, a good way of wording it mm-hmm. so he's missed out on an opportunity of potentially earning the money that he requires to to feed his habit and, and so on mm-hmm. but on the other side of the coin it's a case of uh, the, the the switch i think here from that kind that kind of reassuring uh as you said more manipulative young man to this person now who's got quite an edge to them and and even then produces a, a weapon it's it's quite a switch for me and it's literally on you know the, the flick of a switch i suppose for one of a better term because it does happen in an instant doesn't it yeah it does and um you again you could you could put that down to a trope and a writing fault but i think it makes sense for and let's say the fact that he's a drug addict i think it makes sense for the character yeah, really. it's desperation um, isn't it it's, it's, it's a kind of yeah it's a desperation thing of okay i'm you know i'm gonna have my money soon and then getting told you're not gonna have your money yeah, exactly. So he demands um, he demands money. He only has, I think it was forty pounds in his wallet. Yes, um, which he did say thirty before. So I don't know if forty suddenly a problem. Um, but I he was, I think he was wanting the full service cash when he. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so he's asking about the credit cards, and uh, Edwards stating that he doesn't know the pin numbers to the cards, um, and this is just really angering uh, young Martin who starts to basically attempt to mug him for these uh, for these items and he gets out a knife um and then there is a struggle mm. and young martin after just a few minutes of screen time ends up with a knife in his gut yeah and it, again i suppose it's different moods for, for different scenarios but he's obviously in a lot of trouble here the knife gets pulled out and there's a lot of blood and, and so on. But we go back to this kind of vulnerable side again, then all the, the anger and so on disappears. And we see again, how talented this guy is, I suppose, as an actor, because mm. he's gone through those different, uh, different mindsets, different aspects of his personality or his, his addiction driven you know, issues to now realizing he's in a lot of trouble, literally led on the floor, bleeding out, asking for help, doesn't he? Yeah, and and when he first um, when he first gets stabbed, he says, "You hurt me," and the way that he does it is very childlike. Yeah, um, and you can see the panic and the, and the pain. Well, I mean, I'm I'm going to talk about this throughout. So I might as well say now, David Suchet is incredible on this. I think. Yes. He, he really. You talk about. I mean, James McAvoy as well. Maximizes minutes, but David Suchet, he's he's got that classic acting thing of he, he can even act with his eyes. 
doesn't need yeah. to say anything. His expressions and, and everything. And the panic, he doesn't seem to have realised what he's done until Martin says, you've hurt me. And then he pulls his arm away and he realises what he's kind of, as we'll learn later, was probably muscle memory from his, um, from his back. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think of that, to, actually. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, an, we'll get to it later, but that's a good little, I think, story beat mm. um, where they've actually kind of explained how this, you know, older gentleman doesn't look particularly physically fit was able to quite easily uh, turn that knife around. Um, but yeah, he ends up sort of cradling him and, um, and so it was very, like you said, very childlike. And he kind of cuddled, cuddled him as he, uh, as he passed away, he begged for help. Um, there's not a great deal he can do at that point because no. like I say, that's a lot of blood. It's quite obvious that he's a, he's not meant for the world. So, um, yeah, so with six minutes, I've written here with six minutes in and we've got our first murder of the series. There we so go. That gives you the kind of everything. Setting and like you say, the tone. If you've never seen the show before, I think that would grip you. Yeah. Because that, again, is quite, was quite uncommon, I think, from that time period. Yeah, and there's the, the aspect as well of the fact that you've got this, this, this hooded character sort of overseeing what's going on, spying on what's going on. Mm. But then as, as uh, David Suchet's character drives away, there's also a woman in the window looking out and catches a sight of the car. Yeah, that that there alone would make me go, oh, hang about, what's going to happen here then? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, she did exactly. And then, um, so yes, as he runs away and drives away, and that lady sees him, the hooded person uh, reappears and um, goes down, sees Martin, completely unfazed, couldn't give a shit. Mm, very cold. Yeah, um, spots a credit card quite quickly. I would say that was a bit convenient. That he's spotted that so quickly in a dark alleyway. I'll tell you what's funny about that. Obviously, that you know, this is a huge part of the plot here. This this credit card mm. is a massive item that, that that is effectively leads to everything that we are now going to talk about. Mm. But I didn't have any idea what it was he picked up. Oh, really? I don't know if because I'm watching on a little tiny portable telly in the bedroom or, or whatever. I don't know. I, I'm, I do need my eyes checking. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> But I'm sort of looking and I'm thinking, what is that? Is that a business card? Or because you know, it, uh, jumping ahead a little bit, I guess he, he, you know, finds out where how to contact David Suchet's mm. character. So I'm thinking, ah, oh, must have been a business card or something then, because I couldn't quite make out what it was. Yeah, they they only showed it very quickly, um, but they they showed it when it was actually uh, in the blood as Suchet mm. ran away. So you could kind of see that it had his name on it at the very least. And then this character picked it up and um, yeah, very, very, I say very cold. I, I would put this down to the writing that he wasn't bothered at all about the body, a little mm. bit of surprise that he's in a dead body. I don't know. Um, I thought it was a little bit too, uh, too cool and calm about it. Yeah. I suppose in hindsight, again, we're going to jump around a little bit, I, I guess, mm. but in hindsight, yes. Later on in the episode, we find that well, there, there's mention, isn't there, that uh, there, there's drug addicts and and people dying from this all the time, and this particular character lives in a, a horrible squat, and mm. perhaps he's been around plenty of bodies in the past. If he's got yeah, good point, gangs of people, or well, maybe not gangs, but if there's, I mean, those people all kind of, I suppose, gravitate towards each other. I suppose, mm-hmm. for want of a better term, and. Yeah. Potentially, he's been around people who have OD'd or what? I don't know. I'm grasping at straws. You no, know, it's a good point. You, you're doing you're doing the Dan Griffin thing where it's you're you're piecing together the story. It's good. Ah, I love okay. when Dan does that on the <laughs> Doctor Who pod. 
I don't because it normally makes my point. It <laughs> makes my point uh, completely, you know, not needed anymore because he's strung together something that's annihilated my argument. But there we go. So I would imagine if you're checking this out that you've listened to the Doc T pod with Sai and Dan. But yeah, whenever whenever there's something that's a bit of a plot hole, Dan will be able to fill that hole pretty quickly. Yeah, sometimes uh, it's something. absolute nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. I would say a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I always love it when he does it. Um, so Ed was at home. Now was quickly gone to home, and he's frantically washing his face, washing the blood away. Um, and it's it's quite you know it's quite a quick scene, but again, it's just showing that sort of that panic, and it's kind of um, it's kind of the the usual that you would see from this kind of kind of program, really. Yeah. Um, but you can see in the way that he's doing it, he's not really thinking things through. He shoves his bloody clothes into a bin bag. Um, you know, it, it, it's not really, you know, he's not a master criminal mind, is he? See, is that, again, we're talking this is 20 odd years ago now. Mm. now I've seen, my wife especially is into a lot of these American um, cop shows, for want of a better term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so CSI was popular around this time, wasn't it? So the early 2000s and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. But in the UK, before CSI really sort of kicked off, I don't know the exact timelines, would that have been noticed as being something that was a bit daft? I mean, now, in 2022, with the hindsight of all the programmes we've watched and all the, point. all the investigative stuff on Netflix and this is how we caught this killer and this is how we caught this guy from a cold case from this many years ago, would you have noticed that as being odd? I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, pro- probably not. And to be honest, you know, what are the chances of them go into the rubbish tip to look for because it got picked up very quickly the next morning. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I I think it just kind of showed the panic, but you're right. Yeah. Good point. It it might not, you know, again, he's not really a criminal mastermind, so he might not have any other way to to do this. Um, so, uh, I've got here that he drives past the crime scene. Um, so I don't know if I've missed anything there, but he drives past the crime scene the next morning. Yeah. Um, and these, we see some police that will show up again in a little bit. And my note says, he says schedule properly, which pleases me. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. I get is very that... annoyed by schedule. And what is it? What should it be? Schedule. Schedule is what I say. It's what I've always said. And he says, schedule, schedule. can I please have the year five scheduled? And ah, it pleases okay. me very much. Um, schedule, I think. Yeah, yeah. So we, <laughs> so we learn. <laughs> um, you also say loins, which I love. Loins. Loins. Um, loins. <laughs> I love your blurred loins. Blurred um, loins. <laughs> so he, um, we learn from this that he is uh, a head teacher of a school. Yeah, see, that reveal, because c- we've gone from this scene of this guy who is trying to solicit a, solicit a young man, basically, mm. which is, you know, bad enough to then this young lad getting killed so it takes a dark turn quite quickly and then mm. boom he sat behind a desk at school that reveal i thought was fantastic if the episode wasn't called teacher you could point if it was called something else i think that would have been a real slap in the face moment for the for the people watching you know because it was mm. it was the way it went from those dark scenes to him in his office was quite a jolt anyway but if we didn't yeah. know that he was a teacher beforehand i think that could have been quite a shock yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, and again, this is one of the joys of of watching it with yourself uh, and talking to yourself about it that hasn't because I've I've watched this episode a lot of times, so I'm used to the fact he's a teacher. But you're right; if you watch yeah. it for the first time, you go, "Oh, actually, that's um, that's very uh, interesting." Sort of little twist yeah, on the story. Barring the name of the episode, up until mm. this point, you get 
clue that that's what what his his employment is, do you? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I think this is the moment there where it's kind of revealed, like you said, why Martin was wearing the clothes that he wore, because he had a vision of Martin in the school uh, playground. I tried to get a screenshot of this so we could use it, but it's very difficult because it's so quick. Yeah. Um, but I remember this image vividly, and I remember seeing it in adverts years and years ago for the show. It was quite an iconic image for that show. I say now, it's right, a forgotten okay. show. Um, but it was always in that kind of BBC drama, late-night adverts. Um, so, yeah, so Martin is covered in blood and dropping to his knees in the middle of the playground with school children running around. It's a, I think it's a brilliant Im- uh, it's fantastic. imagery. It's fantastic. And again, the, the colour of the clothes that we mentioned earlier on, with the red of the blood, all of a sudden it becomes you know clear, as you said, as to why he was dressed that way for this image. But yeah. the, the kids in the playground, and he's in his, in his office looking out. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of, I almost felt like the guy with the hoodie was just going to turn up in the car, in the car park or in the playground or in front of the window. And that was what was going to happen. I did mm. not expect him to have this kind of weird daydreamy, nightmare kind of uh, thing happen, but it, it, it was brilliant. It worked really well because it could have, it could have been crap. Let's be honest. It could have been yeah, very, done very badly. And, you know, but this was great, especially with the kids playing around the sort of dying. I think that really added to it. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was very stark stark imagery, and um, and yeah, and it, it like you said, it's it's sort of the fact that um, you weren't really expecting it, and it could be seen as maybe uh, like you say, it's a vision, but it could be like a PTSD type mm. vision because that could explain a lot of his behaviour after this because he's very much um, you know shaken by what's happened. But um, it's a brilliant it's a brilliant image. Like I say, I'll, I tried to get a screenshot. I might try again, um, but it's such a quick fleeting image and. As I discovered when trying to get a screenshot, it's kind of intersliced with images of the kids running past. Uh, so you okay. don't get a clear image of him covered in the blood, but that makes it even creepier because, like I say, you can yeah. kind of see like blurred visions of these children running past. And yeah, it's a really, really good image. Um, I, I, I really like that bit. Um, and then we go to a completely different area, uh, which is a couple of nurses yeah. having a bit of a gossip. Again, it's the same as going from the the park and the the body and the darkness to the headmaster's office mm. we're seeing this 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 person effectively dying again in front of us granted it's only like a like a vision or daydream or whatever but we're seeing this body covered in blood and the the fear and the panic and and, and that's all very atmospheric scene there and then we cut straight away to the the hospital and again i think the way people are dressed and the way the scene is lit is quite good here because it's it's done i think intentionally to take you from that sort of scary moment to all light and bright and uh, you know people mm. are wearing you know that they're making the bed of a, a patient and all the bedding is white so it goes from sort of not dark in color but dark in tone potentially to this very light well lit scene and again it's quite a jolt going that way but mm. i think it makes again for well j- just great tv and the way that was written i think yeah, and also at this point, we've got no idea who these people are. No. So it sort of takes us to a hospital, and you might be thinking that, you know, what what's that got to do with the, the story? Is he not dead would maybe be the first thing, but we know that he is because we saw the police, but they kind of different ideas of why we're seeing the nurses. Um, so one of the nurses is called Katrin. So she's played by someone called Gillian Kearney. She was in Emmerdale, apparently, as Emma Barton. No well, idea. I do recognise her, yes. Do you really? Yeah, this is one of the people um, I recognise, but I don't know what from. And she, but what I think she was most famous for was Debbie in Brookside, 
Um, apparently, she wasn't in too long, but she had quite a big character, quite a big piece as Debbie in Brookside, apparently. I don't really watch um, Brookside, so I wouldn't know her from there. Yeah, but no, maybe. Like, uh, apparently, she was in Emma Dale as Emma Barton for quite a few years. So maybe okay. you would have seen her. Yeah, her that was around. on monday or friday wasn't it and the wife used to watch emmerdale a few years back so maybe i caught it at some point potentially but yeah i did recognize her yeah maybe yeah and then uh her friend jan dr who alert oh hello so jan was in series two uh series 10 as well this was episode two smile which i know you've covered I, oh i think you covered maybe you didn't cover smile yet maybe i'm making that I'm up not sure um as kezia so smile is the one with the uh the creepy emoji robots i think no, we've not got we've covered, not covered that, that one yet. No, and yeah. I'm watching back all all new who with my daughter Charlie, and we haven't hit that point yet either. Yeah, so that's um that's Peter Capaldi, and it's ah. got, um and Bill Potts. They go to this, yeah. uh, um, this planet with um say emoji robots, and she's one of the characters in that. I thought I would oh, okay. uh, bring the old Doctor Who uh, references up for you. Love it, love it. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, as I say, we've got them two having a bit of a chit chat. Um, about nothing really important. Um, but we see the detective on TV. Um, and then we see uh, some very wonky acting from a guy called Mike. Yes. <laughs> yes, this was a bit... He's unsure of himself. Let's put it that way, shall we? <laughs> yeah. As a character or an actor or both? <laughs> Well, I think it depends. He could be <laughs> unsure, as a, unsure of himself as a character, in which case he's a great actor. Or <laughs> or he's unsure of himself as an actor, which yeah. makes the character bad. So I don't know which way you want to look at it, given so the benefit think, of the date. I don't know. So he's kind of he's asking um, uh, Catherine out for a date, mm. um, but he's uh, he takes me out of it. There's there's playing a bumbling kind of you yeah. know nervous person, and he even does this yes thing of no good for the audio, but he kind of yeah. fist bumps the edge like yeah, and it's just a bit a bit on the nose, a bit well, cheese. He's, he's with this uh, Catherine character. I mean, she she's a very pretty lass. He's blatantly punching mm. above his weight, massive. So perhaps that's why he's celebrating. He realised he's a uh, find her a moment of weakness potentially. We don't know how many times he's been asking her out, do we? I suppose. No, he could have yeah, been hanging her for weeks. It came across that he might have. It might not be yeah. the first time that he'd asked her. Um, I don't think I missed anything from there because I'm going to skip ahead to um, when uh, Edward is driving from the school. Yep, and he stops off to get a paper. He sees a little sign of the paper. I laughed at this. Yeah, yeah. I don't I mean, know that I was supposed to laugh at it. I don't think we were, <laughs> but. It's again. It's, I suppose it's a common, a common troop. I suppose that used that gets used in television sometimes when people. It, it shows that somebody has something on their mind when they start seeing and hearing things in all situations that reference back to what is on their mind. Because hmm. the paper is thirty thirty p, isn't it? Yeah. And he, uh, David Suchet, hears thirty for a blowjob again. Like, yeah. But from the from the mouth of this old dude selling the paper, and <laughs> yeah. it's like, uh, okay, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's like this. Like you say it's this old guy, but it's Martin Boss's voice, and it's yeah. going fruity for a blue job, and it's just it's so <laughs> comical. I just found it so funny. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're supposed to laugh at it because it's supposed to be showing that he's you know kind of uh, really traumatized by it, but it was quite amusing. Um, I also picked up that on the newspaper it said obviously about the guy getting murdered. Did you notice any of the other headlines on there? No, I didn't. There was one headline that said, um, uh, 
pantomime horse goes has gone missing. Oh right, it's, which someone's stolen the pantomime horse in that area as well. Oh. Equal crime to spree. a local murder. Yeah, complete crime yeah. spree going on. It's carnage <laughs> right there. It is. It <laughs> is. I wonder what uh, Bang Bang Andy was up to in uh, two thousand and one, stealing pantomime horses, maybe. Or Murder and Rent Boys, which one? Or Murder and Rent Boys. <laughs> Let's put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> or do a Twitter poll. <laughs> yeah. What do you think Bang Bang Andy was more likely to have been doing on this yeah. night? <laughs> um, so we see so we see the bins getting collected as he comes up. So we know that, that, that his clothes have been disposed of when he gets home. Mm-hmm. And the inspectors rock up. Yeah, literally you Chris recognise one of these inspectors straight away. Sure. Uh no, I didn't recognize really? either. Yeah. You didn't recognize either of them? No. Really? Okay. So these inspectors, I've got their names down because one of their names I forget the name of um, a lot. So we've got DCI Quarry. Yeah. He's played by Richard Ridings. He's been in quite a lot of things, but maybe in minor roles. Um, I've got Murder in Minder written down because he was in an episode of Minder in Series ah, 9. Okay. Uh, and he's appeared in Boone and all those kind of things where, you know, a jobbing actor will rock up. Mm-hmm. But... His um, his partner, um, detective part. Well, it could be his partner. I don't know. I'm not judging. Um, yeah, his detective yeah, partner is another star. Very early in his career, I always botch his name. I was hoping you would nail it, but I'm going to try. Chewy Tail Ediafor. Okay, that sounds that sounds good. Yeah, I'll go with that. He is a massive star, a huge Hollywood name. Uh, pro- probably most famous for Twelve Years a Slave in 2012. Right, I've never seen that, but I, I know of it. And he's also in Doctor Strange movies, the most recent one as well. I know you're not a Marvel guy, really, no. but he was in um, he was in the Doctor Strange movies as well. Um, Love Actually, everything. He's, okay, he's I've seen Love Actually. If you go to IMDb, you will just scroll and scroll and scroll. Right, so okay. So I've a, probably seen him a, in quite a few things then. Yeah, so he's he's a big a big actor. Um, I when I looked this up before this, he'd only had six TV credits to his name, so this was quite early in his career. Mm. And it's kind of a Doctor Who alert, okay? Because there was a rumor around the time that Matt Smith was um, hired as the Doctor that he had been offered to a different actor, and the actor had turned it down. And that actor was this guy, Chiwetel. Ah, okay. I don't know if he's ever. Com- I think he can. I don't think he's ever confirmed it in interviews, but he's not denied it in interviews. Right, that okay. That he actually was offered the role and turned it down, and obviously it's went a on tricky to one. a big star anyway. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you, you don't want to say, yeah, I was offered it and I turned it down, because then you look at, you know, Matt Smith got it only because I said no, that kind of mm. feelings towards it. But at the same time, you don't want to outwardly say no, that didn't happen, because then you're kind of lying, aren't you? So it's, I suppose it's a bit of a difficult scenario yeah. to treat well, potentially. Yeah, that was that was that was the rumours anyway. But yeah, he's he's quite a big star. And again, you know, if you were to do a TV show now with David Suchet, James McAvoy, him, everyone, mm. you know, it would get a lot of eyes on it. Um, but yeah. again, it's quite early in his um, his career. So we now know that he's a head teacher. As we said he's clearly very wealthy. He's got a big house. Um, we learned that he's a widower. We learned a lot of information in this kind of um, in this little conversation with the detectives, don't we? Yeah, and the, the camera spanning around the room as he's talking to the detectives. You're mm. almost getting the audio of the conversation, which is giving you information, but the camera spanning around is giving you extra information. For example, the picture of him in his his 
army getup, I suppose, mm-hmm. straight away lets you know he's got a military bra- background. That's not actually yeah. spoken about at this stage, mm-hmm. but you know it because you've seen the picture. So it's just giving you background information, which comes up later on in the show as well, which I thought was quite a clever little thing. Yeah, and it's like you say, it's it's a good use of the time actually in the storytelling. Like you said, they're verbally telling you information about him, whilst mm. the sh- the house, you know, the shots of the house are giving you information as well. It's um, yeah, it's it's well used time. We learned that Martin was twenty three year old heroin addict, which we kind of guessed by this point that you know it was drug related. Yeah. He denies any knowledge quite quickly, but he doesn't do it very convincingly. I would say it's funny because. He almost comes across quite calm in a lot of these scenes in this program, mm-hmm. outwardly. But you're, you can, again, I suppose it comes back to how talented the guy is. And you mentioned earlier on about uh, acting with just his eyes. But there are some moments where he's doing nothing and he's standing there quite, I suppose, very British, stiff upper lip, oh, no, nothing to do with me, sort of nonsense. Mm-hmm. But you can see that he's not comfortable. But yeah. he's not he's not giving that impression. He's giving the impression that he's calm and in control, but you know he's not. And I don't quite know how he does that, but it's really clever. It's really good. Yeah. So you know, they're asking they're basically saying that his car was was seen. Mm. And he said, No, it wasn't there. And I said, um, you might want to think about that because yeah, that's, your uh... car was seen. And he's like, Nope, I don't need to think about it, I wasn't there. But his eyes are filled with panic. Mm. And you can see, yeah. you know, he he does it so well. Um And that was the lady who was peeking out the window, wasn't it? That was, yeah, yeah. No, she. Cares. I mean, she's got better memory than me or you because she didn't have a pen in her hand or anything. So, you know, that car would have gone uh, off. I'd have read the. I would have read the uh, the old license plate. I would have gone to get my pen and paper and gone. Oh, what was it? Ah, uh, she. She was neighbourhood watch though. The 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 copper. Oh, they did say she was neighbourhood she, watch. She's yeah. trained for this, mate. <laughs> <laughs> she's trained for years for this. Yeah. yeah. This is her moment. <laughs> yeah. I reckon. I reckon as well. We could have had a spin off of her finding out who uh, stole the pantomime horse as well, like a murder oh, she wrote type. We could write that ourselves. Would be quite fun, wouldn't it? We could write that ourselves. We should do that. <laughs> yeah, we should, we, should, we should absolutely approach the BBC with spin-off of a 20-year-old programme about <laughs> pantomime horse. Just a lady, a lady who was it. in it for like 90 seconds. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's go. Do you know, the way that my mind works, so when I watch stuff like this, I always... It's like, you know, if you watch... Um, this is a completely different reference. You right. know, if you watch Challenge TV from like yes. years ago, and there'll be old episodes of like Strike It Rich. And I would always think, I wonder what happened to that guy. And I would yeah. love to know what happened to him. When I watch TV shows like this, my brain goes, I wish they'd do a spin off of what happened to all these people's lives after the fact. And we right. see what happens. Why would they? Why would they ever do that? Nobody <laughs> would watch it other than you. I would love it. I'd be yeah. well hooked. Yeah, I'd see, like Challenge TV and so on, and game shows and all that. I always <laughs> find that if I watch like a rerun of Bullseye, because it is, mm. uh, these old game shows look old, but Bullseye looks old, doesn't it? Let's be honest. And <laughs> yeah. and all the people in the crowd are old as well. Yeah, I sit there and I think to myself, I wonder how many of these people are now dead. Yeah. You know? Well. And I don't know why, and it just always <laughs> pops in my head. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, bet she's dead. Bet he's dead. Bet she's dead. I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know why. It's quite morbid, really. But yeah, Strike It Rich is the same because Strike It Lucky, Strike It Rich, it's called both, wasn't it? You always had a couple of old. Do you know the one I'm on about? Yes, the Michael Barrymore one. Yeah. And you always had a couple of a couple of funny oldies at the end, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And you always watch it and you go, oh, they're definitely dead. Bless them. But yeah, they were always quite quite years. fun. But then you, <laughs> you see like a 20 year old guy with a really questionable haircut and a, a shell suit, and you think, I wonder what happened to him. 
I wonder mm. if he knows he's on the TV right now. Yeah, that's that's some else. Right? Well, the amount of reruns and so on. It's like, <laughs> would you be on TV? <laughs> Imagine you're at work and one of your mates day. calls you up and goes, um, "Just watching. I just flicked over to Challenge TV, Sai, and there's you there with a questionable haircut. <laughs> What's going on here? My haircuts in the nineties were all more than questionable, mate. I'll tell you that. <laughs> My goodness, some of the pictures. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, so they, they, they ask him about it and quite unconvincingly tells them that he doesn't know anything. And then we see our mate again in the hooded top. As soon as the uh, detectives drive away, he rocks up. He's found where Edward lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and he calls the house phone. Don't, don't know how, See, how easy it would have been. He would have had a business card rather than yeah. a credit card because he called the house phone. Yeah, I don't know how he got that information. Phone book. I suppose he got the address. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose he he got the credit card. He looked at the phone book, found his address and his number. Yeah, could make sense. Should have been. That's yeah, just literally just popped in my head. Then I mean, it's an alien concept now, isn't it? A phone book. I mean, everything. Yeah, everything is literally in your phone already, isn't it? So I used to love the yellow pages. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's a bit of a weapon in our house. Okay. Yeah. The the uh, my sister and me would catch each other with it. With you know, like if you could see that she was kind of unsuspecting, sitting on the sofa, just quickly twatter with the yellow phone book. <laughs> she would she would get me as well. If I was like, I remember once I was um, I was eating an ice cream, and suddenly she twatted me around the back of the head with this very heavy Amazing. yellow phone book, and the ice cream went everywhere, and I was shouting at her and whatever. But yeah, my dad used the yellow to read phone book it. was dangerous in our uh, house. My dad used to sit there in the front room and read it. <laughs> literally yeah. like a yeah because he knew how much it annoyed my mum so he would just <laughs> sit there and read the phone book like it was a novel and every now and again look up look up and go oh such and such their number is this and then look back down and carry on reading and there's people he's never met he, he doesn't know who these people are but he literally just sit there for an hour a night reading the phone book just to wind my mum up that's fantastic it's brilliant isn't it? i love that <laughs> what a shame then they're, they're not really a thing now um well that's yeah so the next thing, no, no, <laughs> I know, I know. I know. <laughs> what a shame they're no longer a thing. Um, <laughs> um, yes, the next thing we see is he's in the house. Yeah. Um, he, he's quite sinister and he's blackmailing for a thousand pounds. What did you think of his performance in uh, in this bit? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not buying into this guy completely, but at the same time, we find out later on that he's a drug addict as well, isn't he? So I suppose mm. I don't know what to expect necessarily from someone in that scenario. I find we, we mentioned money earlier on. I said, there's a few issues with money and sums and so on. I find the sum of a thousand pounds quite an odd one for me because obviously this is 20 years ago, inflation, mm. money changes and all that sort of nonsense. But if you're going to take the time and effort to ignore a dead body, take something that's covered in blood from the dead body, track this guy down, turn up at his house to blackmail him and only ask for a grand. I'm mm. thinking, yeah, you, you want more, don't you really? I'd be asking for a lot more than that, especially when you see the guy's car and the guy's house and so yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, he mentions later on how, uh, Edward mentions later on how much money he's got in the building site. And I was like, I don't believe that. Mm. I don't believe that's all you've got. But the, the, cause like I say to 2001, I know there's been inflation, but I wouldn't have thought of that degree. Nah. Um, nah. Say, grand doesn't seem like a, a grand doesn't seem like a lot, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so he was played by a guy called Mark Leverin. There's no doctor, if, uh, unfortunately. So oh. um, 
he was in something called Wire in the Blood for a long time. I never really watched it. He I saw a bit appear. of that. That was okay. Okay, so he was in yeah, that, that was quite, quite a good. while. Yeah, that was quite good. Um, he appeared in another of my favourite shows that I feel like has been forgotten about, and that probably would be in my top 20, which is uh, Waking the Dead. Yes, that show's so, great. I love that show. So he was mm-hmm. he was in um, a couple of episodes of that, um, and a year after this, he appeared, I'm saying this purely for a guy called Steve-O that we talked to on Twitter. Yes. Uh, a year after this, he appeared as Simon Kitson in several episodes of The Bill during a Sunhill serial killer storyline. Ah, okay. There you go, Steve. It's only for you, mate. There we go. Because I couldn't <laughs> care less other than that, really. But he's—he's. He's, it's difficult. Again, you could put him down to uh, the fact that he's a drug addict. You could say that it's... I wouldn't say he's a bad actor in this. No, no, no. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's, he's quite... I think he's quite a good-looking lad, and he doesn't look that... For what he's supposed to be, he doesn't really yeah. look that dirty or... Really, that's in it. I don't know what I was expecting, but uh, yeah, I think. No, I know what you mean. And when we see where he lives a bit later on, I think you're right because where he lives is a state. Yeah, and it's run down and it's bad. And we can, you know, we at some point we physically see the guy, you know, trying to shoot up, inject himself, whatever. All quite yeah, dark and 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 edgy and nasty sort of scenes. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right. He doesn't quite fit with what we then find out about him later. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so next thing I've got down is that he was in his car and he's having more flashes of Martin. Um, and then it pans out to reveal that he's actually sitting in that car um, with the exhaust fumes going yeah. in. He's actually attempting to commit suicide. Did you see that coming? No, I didn't. Not at all. And again, it comes back to, I suppose, the almost calmness that I get from his character at times, despite the fact behind his eyes, he's panicking like mad. Mm. because even when he sat there gassing himself, there's no, I don't know what to expect. I, mean, I don't know whether he'd be very emotional, whether we'd see tears or, or whatever. Cause he's obviously knows he's messed up big time. There's, there's a, it's a, it's a whole tornado of crap surrounding him now, isn't it? There's dead bodies, mm. there's rent boys, there's drug addicts, there's blackmail, all this stuff. And yet he sits, sits there quite almost stoically. And yeah, He's just gassing himself, almost very matter-of-fact in a way. So I didn't expect to see that pipe until mm. we saw the pipe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because at first, you, you just see him, and you might just think, oh, he's just sitting in his car, he's about to go somewhere. Because we've already seen yeah. a few scenes of him in the car. Um, and then you sort of see a little bit of smoke, and then it's revealed that there's a pipe there, and he's committing suicide. And I suppose, you know, uh, not to get too dark, but from <laughs> what I what I know about it, I think that it is very matter-of-fact. When you've made that decision... It okay. is a, that's the decision that you've made. And I think um, from what people, you know, studies and stuff have said that, you know, it doesn't tend to be teary, really. It tends to be, okay, that's what I'm doing. Right. Uh, and also, as we found out these ex-army, perhaps he is this very matter-of-fact type of... Uh, I'll tell you what, I didn't even think of that, but that explains a great deal. The fact that it is ex-army and he is a man mm. of a certain age and, you know, generations previous to maybe even our own are very much you know I, I look at my dad and my grandparents and so on they would not necessarily as males in that generation show the emotion that yes. maybe our generation or younger might potentially show so mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um and then uh one of the nurses Katrin rocks up at the house and she's 
shouting for dad. So we suddenly mm-hmm. realised what that link is. And also there was a quick bit in the car where it flashed to him pushing a small girl on the swing as well. Yeah. Um, and she goes into the garage. Uh, garage? That was very good. She goes into the garage. Been watching garage. too much David Suchet. Um, <laughs> and uh, and realises what's happening. And um, And I nearly said pulls him off. No, no, she doesn't. No. She pulls him out of the car. She wanted her 30 quid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's worth more than 30. Yeah, oh, yeah, mate. Oh, hang on, that's bad. No, let's not go down that <laughs> that's, that's a uh, That's a little feature I didn't think we were going to end up with on this show. How much do no. you think that person could prostitute themselves for? <laughs> See, the thing is, I don't know. I'd have to start making a list and keeping notes for <laughs> If you I don't want your wife to find that list, though, do you? No, that's true. But if I gave somebody a certain price and then in a future episode I gave somebody a different price, I'd have to look back and compare, you know? Like chain wrestling, and we we, we, uh, okay. we, give, the, we give the ratings for the matches. i got to look back and see what I rated, rated the, the old matches. the prostitution chain. Yeah. yeah, that's it. You know, got to make sure. sense, mate. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I don't think any other podcast is doing it, so, you know. No, well, this is it. <laughs> I'm fairly certain that we wouldn't last long, but it's... no. no. <laughs> I never last long. That's the problem, really. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so now, now we're we're back in the uh, the living room, and this is where you see him a bit different, I would say, because now mm. he looks vulnerable. Yes. Now he's because he's like I say. I think he he decided that's what he was going to do, and now obviously he hasn't done that, and now he's having to face his daughter and explain what he's done. And one bit that he explains, which we we'll get to in a minute, he seems a lot more ashamed of than the actual murder. <laughs> And again, mm. it's probably because of that time and the way that he's from a military background and he's a man of a certain age. Um, but he admits to his daughter, quite teary-eyed. He, it helps that, you know, he's got the sort of the, the blanket over him and his shirt yeah. and ties all stagged, that he looks disheveled, really. And he admits that he has, over the years, and he kind of dances around it a little bit as well, that he has uh, found himself attracted to young men. Mm. Very quick to specify, not boys. Yeah, I think that was very carefully done. Yeah, very quickly specifies not boys. Not I suppose at the same ever. time he's a teacher. So if he had referenced boys or whatever, yeah, instantly because they're trying to get your sympathy here, aren't they? The character, the, 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 yeah. this horrible thing has happened, and it's kind of it escalated to this this scenario that he didn't expect. It's kind of snowballed, hasn't it? He's gone. Mm-hmm. To, he's given into temptation. He can't help the way he feels. He's gone and done what he's gone and done. This has snowballed into what's happened, and mm-hmm. now he's confronting what's happened. So he is, even though he somebody has died by his hand, intentionally or not, the the the, the writing, the acting, and so on is trying to get your sympathy on the character. Yeah. If he then turned around and said, you know, small boys, yeah, <laughs> instantly yeah. everything that makes this episode quite clever is destroyed for me because I'm thinking, yeah. I hope you get caught, you bastard. Yeah, you know? but I I think it could have been avoided if he just said, I find myself attracted to men. I'm not sure yeah. he needed to say young men. Yeah, but again, I suppose it shows his age, doesn't it? Because mm. the victim here was, what do we say, he was 23? 23, yeah. And he's referencing him as being a young man. So I suppose it does, yeah. again, show his age and... Uh, yeah, but and, and again, it might be... Maybe. Again, it might be more the age that we live in now. Maybe Maybe people in 2001... Not that it's ancient times, but it's twenty years ago. Wouldn't have watched that scene and thought, "Oh, he's a nonce." But that's no. completely where, when he said "young yeah. men," my brain went, "Oh, hello." Yeah, 
Exactly. <laughs> I think I think that says something to the circles we keep as well, because that's a potentially, yeah. potentially <laughs> not that we hang around with nonces, right? Okay. No, no, no. Yeah, maybe we need to think of that word in. But um Yeah. I'll, I'll that. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so he admits that he found himself attracted to, to young men and he fantasized about it. He explains that that led him to the first scene that we saw. Um how did you so how did you how did you find the scene where he explains it to his daughter and her reaction and what did you suitably, think? Suitably suitably uncomfortable. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's the only way it can be portrayed. You're uncomfortable for him having to explain. I think you're extra uncomfortable for Katrin having to listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really want her to basically, because again, it comes back to how vulnerable the, the, the character Edward is here and how it's snowballed into this absolute mess for him. You want his daughter to basically just put an arm around him and be like, okay, dad, don't worry. But mm-hmm. at the same time, she's dealing with a lot of information of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, obviously, her, you know, the, the, there's a body, uh, there's this, there's the, she, her dad has come basically just come out to her as well to a mm-hmm. degree. And she's, taken aback and stunned by it herself but with that i mean i don't know what i'd expect i don't know whether i wanted her to be angry upset whatever but i think she gathers herself together pretty quickly and already and straight away starts thinking right what are we going to do yeah so he, ex- he explains the blackmail to her as well um but her yeah so at first glance i think her reaction because she very quickly sort of says there's nothing to forgive. He's, he asks her, please forgive me. She says, there's nothing to forgive. It's an accident. Yeah. And it's a bit jarring, but I think we learn later on why that is. Mm. I think it makes sense later on. Again, like a lot of this that you could go, hmm, why is that like that? You kind of realise a little bit later on why that is uh, that way. But I, I remember thinking that that's a bit of a strange reaction, I think, that she's like, oh, don't worry about killing the lad. It wasn't your fault. Mm. And it was a bit, hmm. Um, but I say, I think it does make sense. But he decides he's going to go to the police. It's what he should have done already. Um, they they get as far as the police station, which I found interesting. Yeah, right outside, and he's like, nah, "Hang on." And yeah, and then she says, "Let's go to the pub. Yeah. Have a pint." <laughs> yeah, I'll sort everything out. <laughs> yeah, and then and then a nice little bit of convenience as they walk off and go to the pub. They go past the camera shot. A bit WWE this was. They walk past the camera shot, and then the two detectives walk out, and they can't see them because they've gone past the camera yeah. now. Um, two I mean, that happened earlier out. on as well, didn't it? That happened earlier on as well. Yeah. The, the, the bin men collecting the stuff as mm-hmm. the police arrived, and then as the police left, this this individual was waiting to go in the house. Yeah. So, it, it, could it, it we? Work, it works for me. I'm okay. I'll say, could we forgive it for the fact that you've got an hour to get all of this yeah. done by, and you know, a certain amount of scenes? I, th- I think we can, and I, I don't feel playing devil's advocate there. Mm. there's been times when we've reviewed things for the doctor who pod or i've looked at certain episodes of quantum leap i mean literally one, one i recorded yesterday for, for quantum leap or the day before whenever it may well have been mm-hmm. there was certain scenes that were obviously in there as filler yeah and i moaned about that and said this is shit what, what's going on i don't need to know about this i don't need to see this guy going to the shop and doing that whatever so mm. I can't have it both ways. I think if if, yeah. they, if you're putting scenes in as filler to separate these moments, mm-hmm. then I, I'm okay with that not being there. Yeah, yeah, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of everything should happen for a reason. Yeah, um, you know, if 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 your character is going into a shop, that's better play into it somehow. There better be a reason they've gone into that shop <laughs> rather yeah, than just totally. we've got a few t- yeah, a few minutes to kill. Um, there's a nice little bit of um, interplay very, very quickly with the detectives 
Um, just, so one of the things I thought about this whole episode, this could have been done, what we've just said about not having filler, this could have been done as a short series, I think, this story. I think the characters are interesting enough, and the detectives have got very little screen time, but they've got a very good dynamic. Yeah. Martin Vosper, I said James McAvoy was very good. David Suchet is amazing. This character of Catherine's got a lot about her that we find out. This could have been a mini series, and again, could have been quite successful, I think. Yeah, and I mean, with the character of Catherine, especially, I mean, we'll we'll talk about it, no doubt, when we sort of get to the end of the episode and we fill in mm. more of what happens in the next however many minutes we have left of the show. But mm. the more I think about her, and the more I think about how she reacts to situations and how matter of fact she can be, she's either incredibly organised or she's a complete psychopath. Mm. She's very, yeah, I think she's very much a case of, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And Mm -hmm. I don't care what happens for that end game to actually, you know, happen, I guess, for for us to reach the point I want. Because you look at the, again, I'm not going to go go into details now because I don't, we'll cover it shortly, but the situation that builds and builds and builds and her plans and so on. Mm -hmm. It's not just what happens at the end happens. It's the steps towards it you sort of think my god what's she doing now what's she doing that for now what's she and it's yeah. it, it's quite I, I don't want to keep using the same words and so on but she comes across quite cold at times mm. yeah what we what we would now associate as sort of sociopathic mm. um really in her in her sort of approach um so they, they have a bit of a another conversation in the pub but again it's it's not wasted scenery we kind of find out that his uh, her mum his wife died in a crash yeah um and you know she took that very very hard which again could explain her character motivations yeah um and why she's freaking mental <laughs> um <laughs> spoilers um so he's he's very logical and he's uh, he's explaining that painting would be pointless because he's just going to ask for more mm-hmm. and he's right Really, isn't he? Um, yeah. He's very logical about it, but she's very matter of fact. Like, no, you can't leave me. Um, basically, is, is her standpoint very sort of selfish? Really, not that really was what I was going to say. Yeah. It's very her reasoning behind it. Obviously, she's motivated by it's her dad, and she wants to help. Mm. She loves her dad, and so on. She's lost her mum, so her dad's her only parent, and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's always this underlying tone of, "What about me?" Yeah. You know, if you go to prison or something bad happens to you, she's not thinking about that's bad for you. She is very much thinking, what about me? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, the next sort of stuff, we, we find out um, that he's going for chief, uh, deputy chief inspector, sorry, of Ofsted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked little details like this. So that, that does play into the story, really, because what they're trying to show is that he's not very, not only very important in there, but they're showing what a good guy he is. There's yes. a lot of this, you know, when the, when the detectives meet him at the beginning, you know, one of the detectives says that, you know, his nephew, I think it is joined recently and he, he loves the school. Um, he's interviewed by a, a reporter about the fact that he's going for a job in Ofsted and she talks about how the school has massively turned around since he's been there. Yeah. And it's just basically just saying this guy is brilliant. And he's yeah, I mean, there's another scene, isn't there, where where a child's parent is actually thanking him because this mm. kid was obviously a bit of a tear away, and now it looks like he's going on to sixth form and talking about university, and she puts it all down to down to Edward and so on. Again, really clever, really cleverly done with the writing 
to make you realize how nice this guy is and one moment of, of weakness or one one accident in a moment of weakness looks like it could destroy everything for him really makes you pull for him and sympathize mm. and you really you really don't want him to get caught no you really no. want want him to be able to come to terms with it and get through um you know and and be successful because he's clearly you know an all-round good guy um so yeah so i like i really liked all of those sort of um bits um i don't think i'm jumping ahead too fast but we go to train station yes um where he sees our man again uh jack yeah and he was completely right so jack's done a little bit of research recently and he finds out he couldn't tell that from the house that he went up to, but he finds no. out that he's worth a bit of money because of his job yeah. uh, and decides that he now wants 6000 was it, in the end? It was, yeah, it was a grand nigh, yeah. as, as already agreed, and then five yeah. grand on Friday. But yeah. Catherine has told him to buy time and just give Jack 200 quid. Mm-hmm. So Jack takes the 200 quid and basically says, okay, this, we'll take this as interest, but this is nothing. I want the whole six grand on Friday. Yeah, he offers him the 200 quid and goes down like a fart in church, doesn't it, really? Yeah, he's exactly. Not, he's not <laughs> impressed with that. Um, but we find out that, like you said, this is more of a distraction technique mm. um, because as Jack leaves, he gets on the bus and Catherine is following. And she gets yeah, the bus that surprised him. me. I don't know why. I don't know. Again, I, I, I can remember David Suchet in this show, mm. but what happens, I don't remember. So when mm. I saw her following him on the bus... Well, first of all, he jumped on the bus, and I thought he, did, he didn't pay, did he? I don't know why that. I don't know why that popped in my head when it did. But and then yeah. Catherine gets on the bus and follows him and sits right behind him, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is interesting, now. Because again, yeah. it shows a level of planning on her part. I think mm-hmm. it shows a level of you know premeditated you know actions to find out where this guy lives and and so on. So yeah, I mean, I, I suppose in that scenario, a clever move potentially. Mm. Yeah, do we find out whether he knew beforehand she was going to do that, as in Edward knew? I don't think he did. I don't did. think he did. No, I think, I think that was think completely her decision. Yeah. yeah. She does tell him that she followed him, but he seems a bit surprised, I think, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, so she follows him, and like I said earlier, he lives in absolute squalor. Yeah. Um, and he does go into, is it like a bookies first of all? And he gives some it's money. It's an arcade, isn't it? It's a gaming arcade. Okay. Catherine follows him in and starts putting coins into a, a, a fruit machine. Mm. And it's it a load of old sort of decrepit fruit machines outside. Yeah, it's an well. amusements on the thing. and all. It was kind of out of place, really. It looked more like it should be an off-license or something like that, where yeah. it was in the street. But yeah, she's got, followed him. He bought drugs from the back of the, 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 back yeah. of the amusements uh, place. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, follows him to this shithole of a house. Yeah, but again, that that is a little scene there where you could say, well, didn't really need to go in that that mm. area, that room. But actually, it does play into something that happens later on. Yeah, where they mentioned that he's um, you know been seen flashing money around. Um, so it all kind of like I say everything's kind of linking together really um, quite well. So yeah, so he's living in a horrible squat, and then we get to Edward getting back to his office again, business as usual. And the police are actually already inside his office, aren't they? Yeah. I, I, again, this is like the, the build-up of making things more tense, isn't it? It's mm. kind of the police turning the... I mean, what they're doing to Edward, the sort of t- turning of the screw, putting the pressure on, you know, and so on, turning up at his place of work, is kind of what the show is now doing to the viewer. 
with that yeah. because it feels like things are tightening around him now, doesn't it? It feels like things are closing in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. That's a good point as a viewer um, looking at it that way as well. Um, and I like this little exchange because uh, so I'll, I'll quote this a little bit. I've written this bit down um, because he comes in and he's visibly pissed off, and his demeanor is a bit different now that he'd had a couple of days. You know, he's now irritated with them, and he yeah. says to them, "You said you wouldn't come to the school," and Corey says. No, what I said was he prefer it if we didn't. Yeah, that was clever. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Um, so I say, you know, it's sort of enough time pass a bit calmer, a bit more pissed off. But um, that's when we find out that he spent time in the Marines, um, and Corey basically sort of suggests that he would know a bit about hand-to-hand combat, mm-hmm. um, and he also mentions as he's leaving that. Um, they're looking for a weapon and it could be an army knife. So he's just trying to, Corey's just trying to push the button. Yeah. Because again, when they first interviewed him, he was not convincing. There was clearly something up with Yeah, him. well, uh, the big thing for me is exactly what you pointed out, Moy. It was exactly that of the car has been seen. The reason they're there is because they've got the whole registration and he just simply mm. goes, it, it, I wasn't there. It's, the, it's like the song, you know, Shaggy, it wasn't me. He's literally been caught on the counter. It wasn't me. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> he did admit in 2020 that it was him. Ah, okay. Yeah, he tweeted out. <laughs> he tweeted out in the 2020. I think I have to. I've, I've been, you know, I've been um, sort of sitting on this for a long time. I have to admit something. It was me. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> did do that. Um, good old Shaggy. Yeah. Um, so now we're we're back to capturing with the uh, you know the the power. Power super actor, old Mike. Ah, yes. Bless him. Um, and she very clumsily, not at all sneakily, I've written, searches around the pharmacy area in the hospital for something. Somewhere where she's not allowed to be, and it's mm-hmm. really hammered home over and over and over again. I don't know whether this was done to show Mike in a nervous light with how much he hammered this point home, mm-hmm. or if it was just done literally to make sure that anyone watching is aware that she should not be there it was very much you're slapped in the face with this fact that she's not allowed in that room but she's manipulated mike she knows yeah. that he likes he likes her and she's used that to her advantage again very kind of well i suppose you know there's no other word manipulative behavior isn't it yeah yeah i mean he's um I say he's clearly a bit smitten with her but he is very nervous i think i, I take it as a character beat i'd like to say i think it's just affected by the fact i don't think he's particularly good mm. um but I think it's a character beat that he's just a very nervous sort of geeky dude. I think that's what he's supposed yeah. to be portraying. Um, and that's why, but yeah, we sort of see her going around and, and she searched for something. She gets something and puts it in her pocket. Um, we, we don't at the time know what that is. Um, and then he kind of pops back and doesn't really notice that she's being all sort of weird. And then she walks past detective Corey, who's in the hospital. Yeah. See, we never really find out what he was there for, do we? No. It might just be visiting someone. Yeah, it might have been. I don't think we do. Um, but he, it, it's it's an interesting moment. I think it might be again designed to put that pressure towards the not on the viewers, but for the viewer to realise that net is closing in because there's a moment yeah. where she walks past and Corey just kind of looks at her and he's got no reason to know who she is. But you think, oh, actually, they're everywhere, these guys. Yeah. And the net is closing in even there. Um, but, yeah, it's never really addressed, is it? No, it's not. But, again, it kind of adds to the paranoia of Edward, I guess. Because in the next scene, they're mm-hmm. sat 
the, uh, the note I've got here is very much evil layer vibes at this stage. <laughs> yeah. That's with um, the lights off, but the fire burning, drinking whiskey. And <laughs> basically Catherine's got a plan and she's explaining what's going to happen and so on. But mm-hmm. it adds to that kind of level of these two are on their own in the scenario. I think the lighting helps a great deal because it makes it seem like it is literally just those two. And they're the only two mm. people in the world at this point. Yeah. And yeah. Paranoia levels, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And and as you say, she's she's planning on injecting Jack and send him into a deep sleep, she says, uh, mm. and then search for the credit card. And again, Edward's character is being completely logical um, about it. You know, he's, he's trying, to, he's not on board with this idea at all. Um, and she said she has liquid methadone and diazepam. I know what the second one is. And she said that combined, they're lethal. Yeah, methadone is like um, what they give heroin addicts, isn't it? Try and wean them off it when you go on into the program to like right. your addiction. Okay. Yeah, so she says that together they're lethal. So, you know, again, she's gone from putting him into a sleep where it's kind, of, it's clear that she's planned doing more than that. And I think mm-hmm. this is the moment where we start to see that she's freaking mental. Yeah, she's she's planned this. She's. I yeah. think I think she already knows what the situation is going to be when she's saying to edward oh we're gonna pop him off to a deep sleep so we can find the credit card mm-hmm. i don't think that is her intention at all i don't think you look at was, the whole no. no you look at the whole scenario she's followed this guy without telling her dad she's mm-hmm. gone and got the drugs to you know do what she wants to do without speaking to her dad first she's not gone mm-hmm. oh look by the way what about this as an idea yeah by you the know? way how about we kill another guy yeah she's literally just <laughs> gone do you know what I'm going to go and manipulate that guy who blatantly wants to sleep with me to get yep. some stuff to use for another murder. And I'll just fill my dad in later. You know, it's that kind <laughs> yeah. of, <laughs> yeah. And he's, again, he's not having it. No, no, he's not having it. And again, it shows his, you know, his character really. Uh, then we get the bit that you spoke about where we see, um, someone who's talking about their, their son. Um, I've got written down that her name was Mrs. Wilson. Okay. Um, and apparently she was in the bill as well. So there you go, Steve-O. Uh, she was in that. 34 episodes between oh, 92 wow. and 2001 as one of the Socos, apparently. Oh, okay. Reoccurring in, uh, in a small role. So there you go, Steve-O. Just there for you, you buddy. I bet we're going to get a lot of crossovers like that into Soaps and the bill. I bet that's going yeah, to Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to mention every bill because pretty much everyone's ever been in here has been on the bill for like one yeah. or two episodes. But, when, we um, do the, um, when, when Benny and I do the waiting room, it seems that there's in every episode of Quantum Leap, there's at least one character that's been in Law and Order. Yeah. Every yeah. single week. <laughs> yeah. Every single week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I, I won't do it every time, but any, any, any Doctor Who links that I can find, I will. Yeah. Uh, Bring I will on. bring those up. And there's, there's some, <laughs> as I say, when I've, I've watched some episodes, you know, a while ago, we've been talking about this for a while and I couldn't resist it. And there's some very interesting ones that you'll, uh, you'll enjoy. Um, okay. So I say, so we've got that scene where she's basically telling him that this, um, this lady is telling him about her son, how much she's turned it around, which you mentioned earlier. Again, it's just to show how good he is, um, which the whole, this whole sort of middle section of the show really mm. is just kind of, really trying to get you to pull for him that he's you know it's great character work isn't it it's Mm. great character work by the i suppose the actor himself has done well but it's great character work around the actor it's easy for someone to stand there and go 
I'm great. I'm a nice guy. Look what I've done. So the police, mm. when they're questioning, you know, somebody turns up and says, you murdered this, this rent boy, you know, oh, well, it can't be me because I'm such a nice fella. But yeah. that, everyone's you know capable of that. But all the stuff surrounding the guy is pointing at him being a genuinely nice fella, a genuinely yeah. top guy who does a lot for the community, a lot for these kids and so on. And I think that's really important because if we don't have the, the surrounding situation and, and other characters, even as momentary as they may well be with this lady who's popped into his office to sing his praises about her kid going to sixth form, mm. that, that could have quite easily not been in there. This woman mm-hmm. has no relevance to the story whatsoever. This child yeah. that they're talking about has no relevance whatsoever, other than literally to elevate your opinion of of Edward's character once again. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, yeah, it's, it's really it's very well written, um, uh, very well written character stuff. Um, then we where the hell are we now? Um, oh, we're back to Jack, uh, who's yeah. the dodgy guy, and he's doing drug stuff. I've got written. Yeah, drug stuff, exactly, mate. Which was, yeah. again, I don't know how much this was done at that time, because 2001, it's not, we talk, we're talking about it, and when I think 2001, I don't think it's that long ago. Then you no. realise it's 20 years ago, yeah. and then you think about, you know, mobile phones, they were around, but they weren't like they are now, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, from this time period, how much of that, cut because I would say that the the shots of the him doing the drugs were quite, um, I don't know if in depth is the right word I'm looking for, but you see him do a bit of the process, don't you? Of the yes, you see the, him tie off, don't you? You see him tie his arm off. You see him tie off, and he's heating up the the thing in the yep. spoon. I don't know, drug stuff I've written. Yeah, yeah, um, he's, he's 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 cooking his gear. I think is yeah, the term. That <laughs> but you, you would think that maybe around this time it would be you might see him tie the thing around his arm. I thought it was mm-hmm. quite quite a decent bit of detail here. The one that got me as well is when he's 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 tied his arm off and he's um trying to bring up the vein and so on to inject. You see yeah. the, the 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 track lines, the needle marks from previous mm-hmm. occasions as well. And it really sort of I think shows the level of addiction this guy is currently in. Yeah. Because it shows a great deal of usage rather than mm-hmm. well this is the first time. But I mean with TV at the time I mean, you're bound to have had a bit of this in maybe something like a casualty episode or something like that. That got mm-hmm. quite gritty at times. Yeah. Um, you, had, you had drug drug addicts in EastEnders and so on. Grange Hill, even. But the level of um, seeing the marks on the arm and so on, maybe not so much, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, we quickly see um, a bit of Catherine again walking. And Mike looks at her very strangely, which suggests he might know that she nicked something. But again, that doesn't really play into it again, does it? No, see, I got that. I got weird stare off in hospital between Catherine and Mike. Yeah, she looked. But, at, he looked at her a bit strange, and she's kind of looking at him. And it seems like I think he's being questioned by someone. That's what maybe I got. Because drugs the going missing. There. He's, yeah, he's clocking. Oh, actually, you've done that. Now um, I imagine. Um, well, I, I, I say I imagine. I don't imagine. I, I kind of know. My my uh, my mother in law and her my wife's auntie uh, both work in the hospital Mm. and with regards to the drugs and the storage and so on, there is regular stock checks over and over and over again. So I imagine they've done some form of a stock check, realized that something is missing and that's what he's getting spoken to. And he knows that she was in there when she shouldn't be. And that's Mm. the kind of funny look back and forth. But I didn't think of that until after the episode. 
Okay. When I saw this, I was just like, well, they stare at each other for that. <laughs> I didn't get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's how I read it as well, because he was being talked to whilst yes. he looked at it. So With the clipboard yeah. and everything, which we probably had yeah. the stock check on or whatever. I, I, again, I, he, I guessed. He, it's one thing telling, we, again, we're making this up. This was never explained. But mm. there's one thing saying to, um, to the people, I don't know what happened to these drugs that have gone missing. There's another thing, I suppose, saying, oh, yeah, I let that, that fit bird, I let her come and fiddle around with drugs. Yeah. There's, you know, there, there's a certain amount of oh, I don't know. You could perhaps get away with more than a yeah. definitive ah, oh, yeah. So, yeah, but we we kind of making that up because that's never explained. Um, I've got ominous music. Mood <laughs> I could setting. have just had that all the way through it. <laughs> there's a lot of them. Um, I think the mu- the use of music was quite good in this episode. Um, I think it's dodgy in others, but I think in this episode it's um. It's pretty good the use of the music. Yeah, it's not it's not say. overpowering, is it? It's not like no. um there are certain TV shows you watch and the music kind of dominates the scene, but this is this is done quite well. It's understated, yeah. I suppose. Again, I would um again I'm just going from memory because I'm watching recent, but I would argue some of the episodes that we will watch do not do it as well. Interesting, okay. Um yeah, so I've got here that she was very cold and calculated again, and she's repeatedly reminding her dad that what she's about to do is for him because they're mm-hmm. now going towards the, um, the, the squat. Uh, he's very, he's very conflicted. And again, he's playing it really well, even without his words, you know, he's just, he's just playing it so well. Um, and just as she's about to inject Jack, because Jack's unconscious already. Yeah. He's in a, drunk, a, a drugged up stupor, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. From the drugs that we, from the drug stuff we just saw. The drug stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's when he stops her and he says, no, we can't do this. I'm not mm-hmm. involved in this. And again, it stands up to his character that he's a very moral person. Um, and she's furious, isn't she? Yeah, she is. Again, that leans t- towards you know, her, her sort of psychotic tendencies. I think, mm. I think this has been her end game the whole time. I think yeah. she decided when, when Edward was wrapped in that blanket saying that he once fancied young men, and all this sort of stuff. I think this was her end game from that exact moment. And mm. she's just kind of got to a point where, okay, dad, if you're coming along for the ride, great. If not, don't worry about it. I'll deal with it sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how she's, she's really lost the temper and shouting at him. And um, she claims that she's been a laughing stock um, throughout her life because of him, mm. um, because of the death of her mum, which I'm not, I still don't quite understand. No. Again, though, it's me, 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 isn't it? It's all about her. Yeah. Again, it is. But I'm, you know, her. Yeah. And I think it shows, you know, what we would call now as a mental health thing. It shows that she's not quite right and that she's not been since the death of her mum. So, again, it makes sense from a character point of view why she is so cold. And like you say, it's it's a very selfish thing. It's how it's affecting her rather than him. Um, And she's very angry that he's sticking with his morals. and he says that he's going to tell the police tomorrow. He should have done it to begin with. And tomorrow after school, he's going to tell tell the police. She begrudgingly accepts it. And then um, she hits over it and she hits him with another pairing, uh, another pairing shot. But I don't know what pairing means in this context. Right. Uh, where she <laughs> says, you do what you think is best. That's what you've always done. Mm. Yeah, Which it's quite really, snide. Yeah, because he's such a lovely bloke. We can see. Yeah. You know, and she's she's very bitter, 
And that again shows what you said. It's not about him. No, it's all about her. And again, the coldness to her. I mean, there's one moment that we kind of, I don't think we touched upon, but when they're having that conversation in their evil lair, I guess, next mm. to the fire and drinking their whiskey, she basically says, "He, I see drug addicts all the time. There are people yeah. out there dying from heroin overdose. Yeah, time. I see he, them people all the time. Yeah. He won't be missed. And that, mm-hmm. I think, really added to how cold and, and you know, she, she doesn't... Yeah, that's it. It's just like that, that really added to the character, I think. And as the episode goes on, you see... I was, I was going to say the escalation of this character, but it's almost like an unwinding of her. She's kind of going more and more towards doing something horrific, but at the same time, very much pre-planning this it's a crazy thing that happens Mm. but it's almost like going off in two different directions at the same time because the end game is so like crazy and the escalation to get to that point however it feels like that's been her plan all along it's almost like going in the two directions at once it's really interesting yeah yeah and but again it's 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 comes from good writing i think not it's not a it's not it's not confused character motivation. It, it makes her more of a three-dimensional character. Mm. Um, so now, you know, we're at the school and he's preparing to go to the police. He's getting his things in order, I felt. Yep. That's what they were showing. And the police rock up and they walk in. They say that they found the killer. Yeah, that was a moment of, whoa, okay. Yeah. Um and that they were called to the scene of a brutal murder where someone had, Oh, so they actually, they named Jack, don't they? So they were yes. called to a brutal murder and they tell him that it was Jack. Um, and I think just again, from his eyes, you can see quite quickly, he's working out what's happened. Yeah. But then they say the details on it, that someone had actually poured gasoline on him and set him on fire, which is, yeah. that's not just, letting somebody who's already asleep drift away in a, in a drunken no, mess or, or drug that mess. Apologies. That's, that's yeah, that's different level. That is brutal. And he's again, his acting is just amazing. They say that they found the knife in his house and it was the knife that killed Vosper, uh, Martin Vosper. They also say that they know that he didn't kill uh, Martin. And he asked how, and he said, because um, they were watching him. No, mm. I've got that wrong. Sorry. They said they know that he didn't kill Vosper because they found the knife that had killed Vosper and Jack's place. And they say they know he didn't kill Jack. And he asked them, how do they know that? And they said, because we were watching you. Yeah. So they knew he was home. Yeah, which is a great... Because they would be, because he was dodgy yeah. as F. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So that, again, that was a really good detail. Um, and then he advises, Corey advises as his parting words, Edward, to... Stay clear of the common and those areas. Maybe just yeah. avoid those areas. In the I think he's he's still got an inkling something's not right with this guy, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's he's yeah. He's he's again. He has limited screen time, and I think him and Chuito are really good. Yeah, I think they're very good, and they come across as competent. They don't come across as bumbling detectives. Yeah, which you can um, get sometimes in these shows, can't you? Yeah, definitely. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay <laughs> um okay so um then he gets home and he's frantically looking for that knife just again for confirmation i think yeah i mean the 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 fact that the knife is still there is a bit of a cut a bit of a okay that's a bit 
crazy. You'd think you'd get rid of it. Mm. But he's also mentioned that to Katrin at some stage, that the knife is still there. He, and yeah, she, so we, we yeah, missed that bit earlier, really, that he did say when he was explaining that he'd left the knife in that top cupboard because exactly. he didn't know what else to do with it because they always find the murder weapon. Yes, what you see and and again, just, just before she left, she said, "I'm. what time are you going to the police? Mm-hmm. And she's turned around and said, oh, yeah, after, he says after his day at school. So straight away, she's thinking, okay, signed. i got a bit of time. You're not going right now. Yeah. I've just got to go and wash my face. Which yeah. that line was like, okay, that's that, that that came out, you know, that that stood out to me as, I understand they're trying to basically hint at she's going to go and do something, but that was a bit too weird for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But again, it kind of, it happened for a reason. Yes. Um, and so that you don't sort of go, well, when did she get that knife? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, again, it was, you know, I, th- I think that what they've done well with the writing here is they've covered every angle. Yeah. There's nothing that sticks out to me as, well, they ne- never really explained that, apart from maybe him in the hospital. But I mm-hmm. don't think it needed explaining necessarily no, no, no. That, no. that bit. But, you know, sometimes in these stories you can pick holes in, well, why did that happen? And mm, when did that happen? Every little thing was kind of explained, like I say, how he un- how he unarmed um, Martin so easily. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't really matter in any other aspect that he's ex-Marine, other than the fact that he was quite handy. Yeah, exactly. So they explained all of that kind of stuff really well. Um, he finds the knife's gone. She returns the pills, mm. which I would argue was a bad move. Okay. Because if that guy's being interviewed, if we're saying that guy's being asked about the pills going missing and now they're going to suddenly appear, he's definitely screwed. But she don't give a shit about him, does she? No, good point. She doesn't, does he? Does she? And at that moment, to the person who is questioning where these pills have gone, Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Katrin is no part of their thinking whatsoever because Mike no. is Mike's thinking I'm sleeping with this lass if I keep my gob shut. <laughs> you know, yeah. so he's yeah. he's not dropping her in the shit whatsoever. So she is allowing him to take the fall. I think. Yeah, but then you would think that if he starts to take the fall, that that's when he would say she was in here, boy. Yeah, I suppose. But then, and then they'll go. But the drugs are back. So mm. yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, she has covered her tracks a bit. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, and then we get these flashing images of her being freaking mental, which is showing how she's pouring gasoline on Jack. And I didn't think yeah. we were going to see that. No, I thought it was really well done, though, because, again, it's it's jarring. It's like because it shows her being all meticulated and uh, sort of premeditated with putting the drugs back and quite calculated with what she's doing. And yeah. then you get this 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 jump to her being wild and crazy, and you know the, the contrast. I think was done really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then very quickly we then start getting flashes of her as a child, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Again, as, very again clever. of her as a child, and we get the we get words um, that we didn't even mention earlier. So that's my bad because I'm supposed to have done notes. We get words <laughs> um, from earlier in the episode where he said. Uh, he didn't know what he'd do if he thought that he was going to lose Catherine. So earlier in the episode, mm. he said that to Catherine, I don't know what I would do if I was going to lose you. And they intersplice, you know, like the the bits of her as a child, this bit of her murdering this guy, and we hear this words, and then we see him in his car. Yeah. And then it becomes clear very quickly, we see the gas turn around his face, and that's the end of Edward. 
Yeah, it's. I did not expect that. How did you feel about that that ending? Um, I don't really know. It, I suppose the guilt it, it adds to how how this guy has been portrayed the whole way through as just a nice guy who has made a mistake. Yeah, very moral. And yeah, and it's escalated. It's all gone crazy. He has this information. He knows that his daughter has committed this mm-hmm. this, this this horrible crime. It's quite graphic when you see yeah. the flames surrounding Jack, and he's unconscious and not even responding to the to these the mattress yeah. being on fire that he's led on. It's quite a, quite a dramatic scene. He is aware of all this, mm-hmm. and I think the nature of how Jack was murdered is so graphic mm-hmm. that adds to it as well. Yeah, and and he must, he must sort of think one part of him must think he's got to go and tell the police because he is such a moral stand-up individual. Mm. But then he's got, if he does that, he's, he's basically pa- passing his daughter into, I've, I guess in a way, it's a way of him dealing with his guilt of knowing what's happened and the fact that in his mind, he semi-caused this. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, again, they do that well utilizing their minutes, which is their voiceover. of I don't know what I would do if I lost you, because we mm. took that before as, you know, if he lost her as a support or if he went to prison or whatever, but he has lost her. He's a little yeah. girl. He's not a little girl. She's a psychopath. Yeah, she and is. Yeah. The person that he thought she was, she's not. And he can't save her now. Um, so he's just decides that he can't cope with it anymore. It's a very bitter end because you, you, you've spent this whole hour really investing in this guy, but I'm a fan of logical storytelling I don't yep. think there's any other way you really could have ended it. No, because, I think you're right. Because, I think you're you know, right. Really, she could have got caught, but then he would have been on his own and he's still done this murder. And I, I think from a character standpoint, it was the perfect end for him, really, Although, albeit yeah. quite a depressing one. I mean, it was literally the only option, I think, wasn't it, with that guilt and mm. everything. That's The fact that he was... He's a lonely guy as well, isn't he? He lives on his own. He's lost his wife. And we get that mentioned earlier on when uh, Mike is asking Katrina out. Uh, And I'm sorry, I think Katrina's also, Katrin's also talking to the the other nurse about Mm -hmm. her plans. And she's not going out or doing anything. She's going to see her dad because he is so lonely. And uh, so I think that the fact that he's already sat down with a pipe in the car earlier on in the episode. And mm-hmm. we're getting the conversations of how lonely he is and, and uh, you know, he's on his own and all this. I think you're kind of getting clues already that he's kind of had enough as it is maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, th- again, we've missed, uh, I've, I've missed a few little bits in there because there was so much storytelling. I think so many details in that, mm. in that hour. Um, That's what makes it so good. We're never gonna, uh, we're never gonna completely cover every aspect of the show mm. because uh, you know I, I, I encourage people to you know on the basis of this episode to go and watch it because it's it's a great. I, I really enjoyed it, but we're never gonna do it justice having a mm. conversation you and I because there were so many. Even just talking to you now, that whole thing about them saying about how lonely he was and. Mm. Hinting towards potentially being miserable, depressed. Anyway, that's only just come into my mind now. Talking to you, yeah, that, that didn't occur. There's so many layers that the more you think about it, the more you kind of peel back. The more you see, the more these little moments add to to what you've already seen. I guess M- more becomes you know, revealed to you. I suppose. 
Yeah, and that's exactly you know. I'm, so yeah, we were, I was going to ask you anyway about this. You know, we it's called Murder in Mind, mm-hmm. and it's a TV series that is very much forgotten. So you know, I was going to ask if you think that it's a, it's an episode that should have been murdered. Uh, or one kept in mind. So clearly from your standpoint, very much one to keep in mind, is it? Yes, 100%. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I would definitely keep this in mind. Yes, I would recommend people track down this first episode and watch it. It was very, very good. Brilliant performances by the actors, brilliant writing, great story, really good. I'm so glad you thought that because my memory of this was that it's one of the best. Okay. I always thought that it was you know, up there as a great one. And if you'd have thought it was crap, this would have been a very long slog for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad. Um, uh, I, I would absolutely, uh, for me, it's a keep in mind as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's a brilliant hour of television. You're not going to leave it feeling all fluffy and warm inside, but it's not no. that kind of show anyway. You're never going to watch any of these and feel that way. Um, but it's, 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 uh, it's a very, very well-written, well-performed, and again, you know, it's interesting for people, I think, to go back and look at a young James McAvoy mm. um, very early, although he's not in it that long. Like you said, he really maximizes the minutes. That kind of leads me to my question. I think I can guess who you're going to say. Um, but who would you say was the VIP of this episode? Oh, I'm, I'm going with Katrin. Really? I think, yeah. Oh, I didn't get I, that at all then. Oh, I think she is fascinating. Absolutely really? fascinating because she comes across as this I suppose the first time you see her, she comes across as this wholesome nurse and there's aspects of her character. When she's, she, it's almost like when she agrees to go on the date with Mike, she's always throwing him a bone to just be, be a nice person. Yeah. And But then as things go on, you realize that there's these whole different levels to her and there's a lot mm. more uh, going on behind her eyes than you realize. And she's very premeditated with what she's going to do. And then, the, the the end where she burns the guy alive is just mm. why I, I think her character each scene you learn something more about her character or what you already know is added to or changed slightly so i think that makes it incredibly interesting following her along throughout the story yeah that that is really interesting and and like you say you know when when you first see her the lighting and the staging helps you mm-hmm. know she's obviously in the bright nurse's uniform she's got quite a um you know, angelic little face really, isn't she? And she's, yeah. she's comes across very kind of, you know, meek and friendly and nice. And then as time goes on and they have the different shots in the darkness and the look on her eyes, you know, she looks sinister and she does yeah. it, does it well. That, that surprised me because I thought you were going to say David Suchet, but I'll give David Suchet my VIP. Okay. He was incredible. Yeah. He so was, um, I think bar Mike who has a very small part, I remember the f- one of the first times I watched it thinking that Catherine wasn't brilliant, but rewatching okay. it, not the character so much, but I felt like the performance was a little bit wonky, but actually watching it recently, I don't know what I was thinking about. Cause I think she was actually really good. Mm. It's the character. I don't, again, maybe looking at it as a teenager, as opposed to a grown ass man now. Yeah. Um, but David Suchet was just, this was a master performance and acting. Yeah. This was absolutely brilliant. fantastic. Yeah, and again, I think with regards to that, he is he is incredible throughout the whole out, and I I could have gone either way, I really could have. Mm. But what sort of tipped it to catching for me was that David Suchet's character was effectively the same guy throughout the whole episode, and there was nothing wrong with that. Mm. You know, he he had to be that way for the story to work, and he was brilliant at it. 
but Katrin changed and every time you sort of think okay i've figured her out now she's a bit of a nutcase something yeah. else would happen and you'd be like whoa that's she was a more intriguing character and it's what we said earlier you know i said about i was joking about this the spin-off thing that always goes in my head what yes. happened to katrin and that's kind of you know part of the thing of going you know it's open-ended because she put the drugs mm. back so like we said mike could call attention to that there's no particular reason that she would get caught for the jack snedden murder but she's going to find that her dad's killed herself and then she's got to cope with that she probably cope with that in a, again, quite a narcissistic self set. So it would be interesting to see how she dealt with all that whole situation. Oh, I'd, I'd watch a TV show about her. Mm. And, and I imagine her to go on and be some kind of serial killer or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll never know because if they haven't done it now, they're not going to. No, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, I'm really glad you enjoyed that. Um I'm really, really glad that you enjoyed that. And that was very interesting to see that, you know, Katrin was your VIP. Um, we talked before we did this about having the opposite of a VIP, but we couldn't think of anything clever. Is there anyone, you know, there might not have been anyone really that stood out to you as, as being an issue mm, in this? Not really. I mean, it's quite a small cast, isn't it? You've mm. got the two policemen. You've always got the two main characters of, of Edward and Katrin. And then you've got the two druggies as well. Then you yeah. get a couple of little extra cameos, like the, the reporter and, and the, the parent. But it's, it's quite a small, cut-down, reduced cast, because that's all they need to tell the story so well. Yeah, There's not really anyone, I think, that well. I mean, you mentioned about the acting of Mike being a bit on the wobbly side, but it doesn't hurt. He did, really. his, he took his, pur- he made, he did his purpose, though, didn't he? Mm. Um, he didn't take away from the story, really, and he needed to have... I think, you know, his acting could have been better, I think, you know... I think what they were going for was this nerdy kind of lad. Um, yeah. But his, especially that when she agrees to go out with him on the Sunday and he goes, yeah, it's a bit, <laughs> oh, come on now. And yeah. that might have been the direction, but it was a bit, uh, ah, it's a bit cheese, but yeah, no, no I, I don't think there was anyone bad enough in this to, um, to go in the bin. I don't think we'll say that next week. So, ah, <laughs> oh, see, I was about to say, I don't know what's coming up, but okay. So I'm, I won't tell you this, any details. I'm looking forward to it. Should I not be? <laughs> well, we shall see. I won't tell you anything about it. What I will tell you is it's called Flame. Okay. Episode two. And it stars Steve McFadden, okay. famously known as Phil Mitchell. Right. In what I think is probably the only role I've ever seen him in outside of Phil Mitchell. Right. Okay. So this was a That's brief good. period of time where um, it was, I think it was maybe a year or two years after uh, the guy that plays Grant Mitchell, Ross Kemp, left, had that big money deal with ITV, didn't do great stuff at that point in time. And at this time, the guy that plays Phil Mitchell went on a sabbatical. He left for a couple of years to try and, I think, try his hand at that as well. Right. And this was one of the projects that he did. So um, so we'll see uh, Phil Mitchell in a different role. Um, and that's all I'll tell you. Okay. Film which one it's called Flame. Right. And we shall see what you think about it, because I don't want to uh, spoil anything. So that'll be okay. quite interesting, I think. I, I don't remember a single thing, so I've not seen this one. Again, like Again, I this, said, this was one that I remembered. Anyway, yeah, and this is one that uh, I remembered when I got the DVD set back in 2007. I remember seeing him as a fireman. Right, okay. Which is what his character is. I remember Still seeing that. Know. I didn't remember anything about the story at the time. But um, yeah, so Stephen Fallon plays a fireman and it's called Flame. And that's okay. all we we need to know at that point. So uh, 
really enjoyed talking to you about that. And I'm yeah, so I've, glad that you enjoyed it. Cause I've always I've had a blast, man. I've, I've loved, I've loved talking to you. I loved watching the show. First of all, but I love, I love sort of going back and reviewing it with yourself. Yeah. I'm looking forward to what the future weeks bring. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Uh, where can, uh, where can they find you on everything sign? If they're not well, aware already. There's a lot of places you can find me, I suppose, mm-hmm. online, Twitter, and so on. But uh, the main one would be to follow the network, I guess, at SJP World Media on Twitter. And there's a group on Facebook as well. And from there, you get the links to all the shows I'm involved in, the Doctor Who pod, the, the waiting room, looking at Quantum Leap, all the wrestling shows I do with Scottish Danny and Magsy at Chain Wrestling and all that sort of stuff, the, the NXT look back. There, there's plenty out there. But yeah, at SJP World Media is the links for the for the network and that's where you'll find this show and, and anything else i'm involved in and all the other shows that the brilliant cre- content creators and hosts do for the network as well my friend awesome great and uh, we'll see you next week you're not gonna give out yours i'm not important okay <laughs> nor am i <laughs> you, can, you can find me if you want at multi jr5 and i do know another show that i talk i do do another show that i talk about on there but you should absolutely um you if you're listening to this you're on sjp world media there is a whole bunch of shows that you should check out on here um that si just mentioned so go and see what's on offer on there because there's i think there's something for everybody yeah i think so i like to think that way so yeah, yeah. Oh, i appreciate that mate cheers cool see you next week see you next week